Welcome to Halford and Bruff Studio Fright. Happy Halloween! Oh, 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 oh. brings the Bruins back from two goals down to beat Florida. Corey Seeger smashes the ball. That's bad. But it comes with a free frogat. That's good. 7.02 on a Tuesday. Happy Halloween, everybody. Alfred Bruff, Sports Night, 6.50. You really liked that intro, didn't you, Greg? We, w- we wanted to play it one more time. That's it, fair. It was so good. We felt we needed to share it with That's the late fair. risers. Sure. Uh, happy Halloween, everyone. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We should mention we have intern Madison now working the board. Greg is sitting back, possibly eating yogurt. That's what he tends Or you're drinking something or other. Mm. Yogurt. But anyway, we have... Greg's drinking a cup of yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) My morning yogurt cup. Uh, We have a lot to get into here in this open segment in the 7 o'clock hour. I guess we should start with the biggest news that broke overnight. And that was that James Harden is now a member of the Los Angeles Clippers. Long rumored, now confirmed. Mm -hmm. uh, He is on his way for a a bounty in return. I think it's nine roster players. No, it's, it's, it's Robert Covington... Nicholas Batum, K.J. Martin, and Marcus Morris Sr., mm. not junior, along with a pair of draft picks. P.J. Tucker goes with Harden to L.A. I think it's a great lesson. I think it's a great lesson for kids. If you pout and call your boss a liar, mm-hmm. you're going to get what you want. He's requested. So just go. Everyone, you know, if you're, if you're young and it's, you know, you're just entering the work world, mm-hmm. go into work today if you're not very happy at your job. Yep. Kind of pout around, refuse to participate in things. Put on weight. Call your boss a liar, and you'll probably get your dream job. He has requested requested a trade three times Mm -hmm. in three years now. Right. Like, it's just the rite of passage for James Harden. The Los Angeles Clippers now have Harden, Westbrook, George, Leonard. I don't think there's enough basketball to go around, (laughs) but I'm going to be fascinated to see it. And this really... I can't hope they win it all. <laughs> It'd be amazing. I, I, I mean, it? it's going to be... Well, <laughs> there's so much parody in the NBA right now at the top, which you really never said It'd before. Be you so good if they're good. I, they're going to be good, yeah. without question. I don't know if they're going to be able to get through the gauntlet that is the Western Conference. The high-end teams now in the NBA, I'd say there's about six or seven that have legitimate title aspirations. Mm-hmm. So it's not like years past where you could kind of write off like two-thirds of the league. I think this is going to be a really interesting thing. That being said, super combustible. You've got four very dominant personalities. Mm-hmm. You've got four guys that at various stages of the career have been the guy on their team. And here's the X factor in all of this. They're all old. right? Kawhi. Paul George, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. By the standard of the day, they're all old. So where does this leave Philly? I mean, uh, Harden won this. 
He won the standoff. Yeah, well, he painted. I mean, he painted Daryl Morey into a corner. He made mm. the relationship toxic, and then he basically said, "I'm going to the Clippers or nowhere else." Mm. People are saying that Morey got cooked on this deal, and he kind of did. When you consider, like, for whatever you think of Harden at this stage of his career or his personality, he led the NBA in assists last year, and he's still a prolific scorer when he when he wants to be, essentially. So um, there's real value in his game, and they didn't get good value for it, but they were painted into a corner. Mm-hmm. Is there any way Daryl Morey can turn anything that he got in this return into something I don't know how more you do this kind of like forward. for for your for Embiid, really. The biggest issue they're going to have now is trying to appease the reigning NBA MVP. That's what I'm talking about, right? And I don't know if they can do it. Because well, the original look- plan was, and this is what Maury apparently told Harden, and was like, yeah, we'll trade you, but we need to get something back. Right. We need they something did. elite back, and then everyone else was kind of like, well, how are you going to do that? So they're going to try and reposition this as well. We've got Tyrese Maxey, and him and Embiid are going to be the player. He is good, but he's, yeah. I mean, when you look at the style of the day, with an onion on your belt and everything, it's you need more than Embiid and Maxey. All due respect to Tyrese Maxey. Okay, baseball last night, you watched it, I didn't. Uh, yeah, so the... This series, it was actually a good game last night. Mm -hmm. It was actually entertaining to watch. It was tight. I thought the Rangers played great. Corey Seager, two-run home run. Greg put it in the intro and then played the intro twice. Uh, D-backs lose 3-1. They fall behind 2-1 in the World Series. The biggest issue with this series is that it's being played at a time where everything else is going on in the Mm -hmm. world of sports. It is getting pushed not just to the back pages, but like the flyer that is attached to the (laughs) middle of the newspaper. It's not happening. There's not enough intrigue in this series. I was flipping around to, um, to a bunch of hockey games last night, obviously, but... I was kind of given a choice. Am I going to watch this football game between mm-hmm. the Lions and the Chargers or am I going to watch the baseball game? And I chose the football game. Like, do right? you, do it you wasn't, understand? It was just like, and it was, there was nothing. I'm like, I guess I'm a little interested in the Lions. And it, was, it wasn't a good game. And I actually got um, kind of upset at the Raiders watching it because I started thinking about the Raiders. I was like, when is the last time this team has been relevant for anything they've done on the field? Like, yeah, they've had a bunch of disasters off the field, but on the field, I guess they went to the playoffs a couple times when Derek Carr was the quarterback, but they lost both those games. So then I looked back on their history. The last time they won a playoff game was two decades ago. Yep. They're ter- it's a bad Two organization. Two decades ago. That's crazy. It's a bad organization. Like- it's a bad franchise. It's got bad leadership. They've had countless changes. Remember the brief John Gruden hire and then dismissal? Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about, the the, well, the the disasters off the field. It's just, it's one thing after another. Usually, it's cliche and trite to say it, but in this case, I believe it's true. It probably does start at the top. Where I'm going to, although he is a WNBA champion, uh, Al Davis's son. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's got the kind of vision and leadership to craft this. He's team. probably more made more money though. Well, he's made, than Al Davis made. Well, yeah, because the move to Vegas <laughs> yeah. was a financial windfall. It's it amazing is, for them. Are the Vegas Raiders now just around so that you can go down and watch your favorite team in Vegas? They've definitely. They should play all home games. So as a here's the thing, a little history lesson for mm-hmm. those that don't know, Al Davis. Uh, there will never be another owner like him in large part because he was a football guy first and foremost. He made his personal wealth through the football. Well, Jerry team, Jones right? is a bit like that. Yeah, but they're, I mean, they're not making another Jerry Jones right. either. Like yeah. it just doesn't exist. Um, so the Raiders for the longest time 
reveled in being outlaws and iconoclasts and different from the rest of the NFL. Mm -hmm. There was the way the NFL did business, and then there was the way that Al Davis and the Raiders did business. And they leaned into being the evil empire, and they leaned into... That's why they moved all the time. They leaned into the dark arts, and they leaned into nobody likes us, we're pirates, but that's okay. That entire identity... It really it died a long time ago. They I mean, when they moved to Vegas, you you kind of summed it up. They kind of became like the vacation destination of, for football fans. Mm. Like, what's their identity now? I don't know. Right? Kind of like the they're a novelty. Mm -hmm. You go to Vegas, oh, we'll watch a football game, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's sad because the crest and the brand and the iconic nature of the logo and the the the, the history of the franchise is all gone. And now they're just sort of a sad sack franchise. And last night was bad. Like, you got to see all of the warts of the current team on display. Jimmy Garoppolo comes back after missing a lot of time with injury. And they can't keep him upright. There was mm -hmm. that stretch in the fourth quarter where he got sacked on three out of four snaps in a single series. Yeah. And he finishes 10 of 21 passing, 126 yards. The Lions didn't even play that well, if we're being honest. Um, they stalled on three drives in the first half. They turned the ball over three times. They missed a, a relatively easy field goal, and they still beat the Raiders by double digits. Like mm -hmm. that's how bad the Raiders are as an organization right now. Um, so that was the that was a football story. So I also mentioned this because that was one of the things that took away from the World Series last night. The sports equinox. If you want to just focus on the state of Texas, like. I don't know how many people were paying attention to the Rangers last night. <laughs> what? Come on. You had, okay, now say what you will, the regular season games and everything, but you had the Mavericks playing last night. Okay. The Mavericks won their game. You had the Stars playing last night. The Stars won their game. FC Dallas was in the playoffs in Seattle. They're all watching baseball overall. Do you understand Come how on. many people were still talking about the Dallas Cowboys win from Sunday and like focused on that. Like, yeah, but everything like while else they were was, watching the baseball game. Yeah, I don't even know. I honestly <laughs> don't know. But it was a very divided sports market in Dallas last night. Uh, the Seahawks, uh, I don't think it was as divided as you think Very divided. Oh, my God. The Seahawks made a trade. Leonard Williams comes from the New York Giants to help the Seahawks pass rush. How helpful is he going to be? Pro Bowl defensive lineman. He spent his entire... Pro Bowl from a few years ago. 2020. So it's funny. I went, I remember, I'm like, why do I remember? Leonard Williams. Like, why is this guy's name jumping out to me? You and I at the old shop had, I, I think it was a heated argument, but it was when the Seahawks lost badly to the Giants in 2020. Mm -hmm. They lost 17 to 12. And I was like spitting rage the following day about what a terrible loss it was. And you're like, oh, the Giants are a pretty good like team and they, they yeah. played pretty well on defense. That was the game in which Leonard Williams was quite literally in the Seattle Seahawks backfield the entire game. <laughs> and Pete remembered? Yeah. Pete I and John Schneider were like, we got to get that guy from four years ago. John Schneider was doing the, oh, who was that guy? <laughs> Williams. He killed us out one game. Anyway, he, he had his best year in 2020, the same year, mm -hmm. the, the aforementioned game against the Seahawks. Um, so both teams did well, according to some reviews well, I that, that I read. Great here. The Seahawks did well, you know how and much the Giants the probably did well, too, because the Giants are done. You know how much they're paying the guy? The league minimum salary. Wow. Yeah, this, the, the Giants took on $9 million in mm. salary to retain on, in this deal. And so, he's, in a, he's in a contract year, right? He's coming up on a contract. I can't remember if it's this year or the next. Okay. But, um, look, 
He's a guy that when you're talking about getting pressure on the quarterback, they kind of found what they lost in Nwosu with Frank Clark by signing mm-hmm. him. Like they got an outside edge well, rusher. Yeah, hopefully. But this is an interior lineman. And that's something where they haven't generated a ton of pressure from. Like mm-hmm. they've got, they had decent guys on the edge, and Nwosu is very good as an edge rusher. But this is a big human being that can be a run stuffer, but can also get interior line pressure. I think the bigger thing here with this trade, because they spent a fair amount of draft capital, like a second round pick and a fifth round pick in the NFL is not a small price to pay. Like it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe that they feel with what's happened in the last three weeks to the San Francisco 49ers, where they sit right now in the standings at 5-2 and two and atop the division, I think this was in part a reward to the guys on the team saying, hey, you know what? Leonard Williams became available. If you had gone back to the beginning of the year, maybe he's not, because mm-hmm. remember, the Giants came off a playoff performance last year. Like No one expected him to be this bad. I think a lot of things fell into place for Schneider and Carroll, and they said, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's see if we can try and make a run at this division. Can we talk about all the games that we've got to look forward to now. Mm-hmm. We've got obviously the Vancouver Canucks are playing well. Yes. Tonight they play Nashville. Thursday they're in San Jose and everyone is actually looking forward to these games now. They're appointment viewing again as opposed to at the end of last season or even at the beginning of last season. It was kind of like is there a Canucks game on tonight? Alright. I'll catch the highlights. So we're excited about the Canucks. We're excited about the Seahawks. Seahawks have a big game in Baltimore on Sunday, that's going to be a big test for them, right? And and we'll see, we'll see, we'll find out more about the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. The Lions are in the playoffs on Saturday at BC Place. The Whitecaps are in the playoffs Sunday at BC Place. Yeah. It feels good to be a sports fan right now in this market. Feels like we're in Texas almost. All our teams are playing at the same time and in significant games. I'm excited. I about can't this. believe you're like trying to equate. The Texas Rangers being in the World Series with, like, the Dallas Mavericks were in action, too? They just put a little asterisk at the bottom. Also, the Rangers won Game 3 of the World Series. That was at the bottom. It was a footnote in all the sports columns. No, uh, BC Place this weekend. So, as I understand it, the Whitecaps have surpassed 20,000 tickets sold Mm -hmm. for the playoff game against LAFC. I would not be surprised if the lower bowl gets close to capacity. Yeah, and the Lions are going to open the upper deck. That's going to be a one... God bless BC Place. That's a lot in two days, right? It's going to be tired Sunday morning waking up. Right? We got to do this again. I can't believe this, but it's going to be. When's the last time that that place has been bustling on consecutive nights? Like that's going to be. I would estimate twenty-five to thirty thousand mm-hmm. in consecutive nights at BC Place. Well, Coldplay weekend. had two, two, two back-to-back shows, so it was bustling then. Yeah, that's true. But this is different. <laughs> Concert-wise, it, it, it's had some. I don't dates count. There. I don't count concerts. They're not in the, this sphere. This is right. just sports events. Do you think concerts are harder or easier for the concessions to work? <sighs> okay. All concessions are related to capacity, right? Mm-hmm. It's just how many people that you actually have to serve. That becomes the biggest challenge. In terms of... I, th- you I, know guess, what? I guess there's halftime and inter- like at the Rogers Arena, obviously, there's See, intermissions, right? So there's like these huge rushes. Those Coldplay fans get violent if they don't get their chili dogs on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Do they have chili dogs? I don't know. <laughs> I want to imagine they do. Um, no, if, that's, you, if you go to the concession during during a concert, you're just like, mm, I don't like this song. I'm going. Sometimes yeah. on the Halford and Breath Show, we research topics before we talk about them. This is not one of those times. So right. I'm trying to work through it. Can I get a cool play dog? Please? In my brain. <laughs> Stop talking about hot dogs. I'm trying to focus. There's, there's no meat in this. Uh, is there. <laughs> Just a <laughs> you dunk yeah. it in water. This is empty calories. Like this you're is at the Nathan's Fourth of July hot dog eating contest. Everything's compostable, isn't it? Yep. Anyway, I'm trying to think. I think you actually brought up a, for once a salient point. There would be more de- like defined stoppages mm-hmm. in a sporting event where everyone would rush, right? Because right? I mean, I know that there are, but, the, but in concerts, uh, more people on drugs. Well, there's that. <laughs> what were the concessions like at the Wu Tang concert? Oh, did I not talk about this? So the Saddle Dome. So you went to the Wu Tang concert. Wu Tang De La Soul in at the Saddle Dome. Right. Okay. Right. Which lived up to the billing is a very unremarkable building. Do you think Calgary is the hip hop uh, capital of the world? And it's called the Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> Many people are saying this. <laughs> anyway, the concessions. I talked about this before. Should I wear my cowboy hat? Nope. I I wouldn't. Not for this show. Jason Aldean will be here tomorrow. You can wear it then. Um, the concessions. Yeah, they have. They're the first arena in Canada to have the Amazon uh, market technology, where you walk in and you walk out with your stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! So we went, and let me tell you that the people of Alberta were not prepared for this technology. Okay, they weren't ready for it. <laughs> they didn't know how it worked. Lots of them did not trust like, it. Came in, came in <laughs> discovering. Fire. So wait a minute, the government has my information yeah. now. <laughs> there was a high level yeah. of distrust, right? I don't know if it was. Yeah, it was a lot. So. Yeah, yeah. The way that the technology- that would have been funny. The security guard could have really had some fun with people. I was like, "Have you been vaccinated? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're good to go here. You can you can <laughs> come in then." We've Just, got all, well, that's we've got, how it means you haven't been. We've got all the information you need. <laughs> Just make eye contact with our retina scanner here, and you'll be on your way. Anyway, you so can trust us. How it works is, and by the way, there is no security at the thing. Right. So, but what there is on the way out is a it's like a sad little robot voice an acne faced teenager with a pop top like it's almost like a bottle opener but it's not because there's no bottles so you walk in you scan your card and you quite literally just grab whatever you want mm-hmm. and then walk out the door right that's it yeah no one that's what i do at 7-eleven Right. Except- uh, they don't have the technology there. No. Oh. The, the technology <laughs> you're referring to is shoplifting. He, that's why he was so upset. So <laughs> there's this poor kid at the door, and everyone assumes that they have to check their purchases with him. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm not qualified for that. That's a higher position than I have. I'm. He's just I'm there. Wave my pay grade. <laughs> he's just there to open the beverages for you. Which don't, do you he, have to open the no, beverages? No. No? You can do whatever you want with them. So he's like a, a servant or something? He's like a fake... <laughs> Secure boy, give me another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he even acknowledged it. He's like, You don't have to stop. And Open this for me. me. It yeah. hurts my fingernails. But yes, sir. I will say this because so many people were clearly terrified of the technology, <laughs> I got to skip the biggest lines I've ever seen oh, at, that's good. at an event. Yeah. Y'all trying to tell me you got my credit card info now? <laughs> Basically, that's what it was like. So uh, Eric France is going to join us in just a bit from Alberta, too. We'll ask him about this technology, but more bother. specifically about the Calgary Flames and just the level of concern right now with the Flames. Um, I feel like I was ahead of this story in this market because for some reason I just started watching the Flames like three games before the Heritage Classic, and I'm watching them and I'm like... These guys have nothing. Mm. These guys have no answers yeah. offensively. They were going into games, into third periods, trailing, and they nothing. And then 
them playing so badly at the Heritage Classic and the Oilers getting the win. So people stop talking about the Oilers and people are like, well, yeah, but what about the Flames? Mm-hmm. So we'll talk to Eric Francis about the Flames. Uh, Eight o'clock, uh, Brendan Batchelor will join us to preview tonight's game against the Nashville Predators. There could be... There could be, not necessarily, there could be a lineup change for the Canucks. Dakota Joshua could sit. Jack Stadnika could come in. Now, it wouldn't be a straight swap. Jack Stadnika wouldn't play on the third line. Beauvillier would go up to the third line, um, and he would play with Pew Suter and Connor Garland on a line that, in theory, well, based on what they're being paid, should be able to produce. I think it's about a combined $10 million cap hit there. It would leave a fourth line that would be Lafferty between Stadnika and Hoaglander. I actually don't mind the idea behind that line. That could be a line that has some speed, maybe gets in on the four check, turns the pucks over. So if you're looking at the bottom six right now, like it shouldn't be bad. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a, a, a bottom six that can't produce at all. A third line, Pew Suter between Connor Garland and Anthony Beauvillier, that should be okay. So we'll talk to Batch about that. I'm also curious to see how Nashville plays tonight because the Canucks had one of their best games of the season against the Predators in Nashville. They went in there and they played, I don't know, one of the best road games I've seen them play in the last decade. Uh-huh. Like they were, They just smothered the Nashville Predators. And remember, we were talking about the Preds, how – the Preds had been piling up shot totals in their first few games. Like they were averaging 35 shots. Mm-hmm. I think the Canucks pretty much cut that in half against the Preds. So um, are the Preds going to be especially motivated coming into Vancouver? Um, and how do the Canucks respond to that? If there's a game right now this season where the Canucks could, in theory, be a little fat and happy, I think it's this one because they did really well on the weekend. They dominated St. Louis on Friday, and then to their credit, they played really well against the New York Rangers, even though they were the tired team and the Rangers were the rested team on Saturday. Then on Sunday, they had their day off and they had their Halloween party. Right. Right? The, now The dreaded Halloween they party. They did get back to practice yesterday, but if the, all I'm saying is if there is one game where this season where they might be feeling a little too good about themselves and they might be thinking ah we already played Nashville we beat them no problem mm-hmm. tonight would be that game you don't think it might be thursday night against the worst team in sports, the San Jose Sharks. That's what I'm worried about because I've said it so many times now that the Halford and Bruff jinx is alive and well mm-hmm. and that we've absolutely... like They'll go and they'll have a great game against Nashville tonight and then Thursday they'll be even yeah. fatter and sad. Thursday they'll be like, we're having another Halloween party. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> it's after Halloween. It's fine. It's fine. We still got our costumes. Uh, so we got a lot more to get to on the program. Uh, we're going to be joined by Eric Francis from Calgary next, as Jason mentioned, and then Brendan Batchelor at 8 o'clock as we look ahead to Canucks Predators tonight. Uh, Kiss tickets also. We're going to be giving them away in that 8 o'clock hour. Text in your What We Learn Now, hashtag it WWL. Put a ticket emoji into the text. The concert is Wednesday, November 8th at Rogers Arena. We're giving away a pair of tickets every day this week. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
731 on a Tuesday. Not just any Tuesday. It's a Halloween Tuesday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> <laughs> Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Just, just be patient with him. It's his, it's his Christmas. How much candy have you eaten? It's 731 in the morning. It's been Halloween for seven and a half hours. How much candy have you consumed? I haven't had any yet, but I have a big bowl waiting for me at home. And appropriately, I have my dentist appointment the next day. <laughs> Not even kidding. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, was that intentional? My dentist who hates me, by the way. No, it wasn't. It was just worked out the way it did. Um, did your dentist use like, now, Andy, what are you, 13 now? <laughs> yeah. How much candy did you consume last night? <laughs> For those that don't know. Have you lost, all, have you lost your baby teeth yet? <laughs> Andy Cole, our producer, also our large adult child, is a big big fan of Halloween. Yes, sir. So much so to the point where he keeps referring to it as his favorite holiday. It is. To which I then remind him that it is not a holiday. Everybody goes to work, often in the costumes that they are wearing for Halloween. Mm -hmm. Banks are open. Kids are in school. Not a holiday. If I'm ever elected president, I will make it (laughs) Also, we don't have a president. We don't have a president. (laughs) I don't think you need to worry about any of these things. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I'm going to be the president of Halloween. That's what I bet, yeah. Uh, we are in Hour 2 of the program. Hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go, right to Calgary. Eric Francis from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Eric. How are you? I'm great, boys. How are you? Uh, we are good. How are the Calgary <laughs> Flames doing right now, Eric? Speaking of scary, uh, yeah, it's uh, was it last year or was it two years ago? My memory that that Vancouver had a similar start and basically twenty games in, their season was over. Uh, it was both of them. It yeah. was both. It was both of them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry to bring that up. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's eerily reminiscent of that. Like, I mean, they've lost five in a row. Now. Uh, they can't score a goal. They can't figure out who should play with who. Uh, their stars are non-existent. The goaltending is good, though. I mean, I, if you're going to look at positives, I think people are really excited about Markstrom bouncing back. But, yeah, it's a mess here. It's an absolute mess. And uh, I'm not sure it gets better anytime soon. They play Dallas next, and that's a juggernaut. And uh, and, and here's the scariest thing probably for Flames fans is they haven't played many good teams at all. Like, their record is, what, 2-7-1 two, two, and one or whatever two, six, the numbers two, are 2-6-1. Yeah, two six and one. Sorry, I'm giving them an extra loss already. Mm, well, they've uh, got Dallas next, so probably. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and and Dallas is really the first good team they've played. They played the Rangers, and they obviously cut a swath through the West. But you know, they went on a five game road trip to start the season. It was all against teams in the East that never made the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. and they lost uh, four or five of those. So you know, it's it's not good in Calgary. No. <laughs> um, has has the have the Oilers um. You know, before the Heritage Classic, were the Oilers' struggles kind of outshadowing the Flames' struggles? And now that the Heritage Classic went the way that it did, and the Oilers looked pretty good in their win over the Flames, now people are all kind of being like, "Well, whoa, whoa, how about the Flames? They're in big trouble. Well, I think in, in Calgary, you know, people knew that the Flames were in big trouble before that game. They hoped that that game and all the distractions that come with it would would help turn things around and just get this, you know, ship righted for at least a game. 
but obviously it just made it worse. So, uh, yeah, people here always pay attention to the Oilers and, and take great solace in their start so far this year. Uh, but, you know, I don't think there's anybody out there who really thinks the Oilers are going to continue struggling for much longer, right? I mean, they're just they're just too good. Uh, and no one thinks they're not making the playoffs. It's a totally different story here in Calgary. Do you remember uh, not too long ago when everyone was congratulating Brad for living for rescuing the situation uh, and getting players like <laughs> Huberdeau and Uyghur in the Matthew Kachuk trade? Um, I feel like the uh, narrative might be a little bit different now. Yeah, it's uh, it's somewhat different. And that's what's so funny. You know, everyone's losing their mind. Uh, you know, the, the two biggest problems with the franchise right now, not just today, this week, but, you know, for the next eight years, are Huberto and Caudry. And both of those guys, when signed, you know, they were the move was round, roundly applauded. You know, everyone applauded. Everyone thought it was great around the hockey world. Yeah, you probably overpaid for Huberto, but considering he was going to be a UFA, you were going to have to overpay to keep him in Calgary anyway. So, but, it, you know, it's just been an absolute disaster uh, between those two. Kadri got his first goal of the year the other day. Uh, I think they're number one and two in the league in plus minus, like minus 11, minus 10. It's, and they're just invisible up front. And this new coach, all he's trying to do, he's, he's tried every line combination imaginable. All he's trying to do is find someone who can help spark one of those guys, and he's, he hasn't been able to find it yet. To the point where now he's, he's just decided misery loves company. He's put Cadre and Huberto together, and that's not working either. So. Well, I, I, I started watching the Flames um, against the Rangers, and they went into the third period trailing and had absolutely nothing. I think they had one scoring chance in the final six or seven minutes that I watched, and then they took a penalty and it was kind of screwed for the rest of the way. And then it, it got worse against the St. Louis Blues who came in and just stifled them. And the St. Louis Blues are not a good team, to your point. No. And they beat them 3 yeah. nothing. And the one thing I took away from watching the Flames is, like, <laughs> it's funny because Daryl Sutter was fired because apparently um, he wouldn't let them be creative enough, among other things. And then you're looking at this team and going, well, I guess now they've got some freedom to be creative. Uh, do they have any creative players? <laughs> well, they brought in Mark Savard, too, to try and get even more creativity out of the lads, and that hasn't worked yet either. Yeah, No, it's, uh, you know, Huberto. Got, it's amazing to me to watch Huberto here. You know, obviously none of us ever really watched Huberto that closely in Florida, but he set an NHL record two years ago for most assists ever in the history of the NHL by a left winger he comes here and you're looking at him going this guy can't be a point of game guy ever like mm -hmm. you just don't see you don't see it at all now i'm not saying he's not capable of getting back to that at some point but he's nowhere near that right now and that's it's puzzling and i know it's so frustrating for him too he's a classy guy a good guy a proud guy and this is killing him it's killing him he just can't find his way and the creativity that i think he probably exhibited with Guys like Barkov and Sam Bennett and all these guys in Florida, it's just not – there's no sign of it here at all. It's just uh, – it's, it's, it's been really hard for them. So what are they going to do? they got a rookie GM in Craig Conroy, rookie head coach in Ryan Huska. What is this team going to do? Well, I'll tell you one thing I think they're going to do is they're going to pause any talk about signing any of their UFAs. You know, the reports came out, Elliot had reported that, uh, you know, Noah Hanfin was close to signing an extension here. And I, I think that that's – that's on pause now. I mean, I think they have to see over the next couple of weeks where this goes. 
because by the time they get to the 20 game mark, this thing could be over. And then you're, then you approach everything with a bit of a different lens. So what, what they do on the ice and how they turn around and what combinations they find, I, I, I have no idea. And I, I know Ryan Haska is losing sleep over this and so is Craig Conroy. But in terms of big picture stuff, like Elias Lindholm, Nikita Zadorov, mm-hmm. Noah Hannafin, I think I'd be shocked if you saw any of them put pen to paper anytime soon because not only do these players are probably going, I don't know if I want to be part of this much longer, but the organization might say, look, we can't afford to sink any more money into this core that just can't get it done. What do you thought of uh, Zadorov's comments? I, I think it shows great leadership. Now, in, in the hockey world, as you guys know, you're always supposed to be beige and never, ever throw a teammate under the bus. And I don't think he threw anybody under the bus. He just said, I'm not sure everyone's pulling in the same direction. He wasn't naming names and he wasn't saying guys aren't trying. He just said, we all got to get on the same page. You know, he's just trying to wake the team up. I think he's just showing tremendous passion. Um, but there's a fact, there's a small faction of people in the hockey world who say you just never do that. I can tell you that the fans here, the, the big joke around here is like, he should have been the captain with comments like those. <laughs> he should be the captain. This guy's, they love Nikita Zadorov here. You have all the, the guys, I do think they'll eventually sign him. And I think they should, but boy, has he become popular because he's so outspoken. He hasn't really had a chance to be this outspoken, but this year he's really taken the bull by the horns and he's making headlines every time he speaks. It's quite entertaining. It might be the only entertaining thing about this team right now. We're speaking to Eric Francis from Sportsnet in Calgary here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Ryan Huska, Eric, you know, when he describes himself says he's you know, a positive, optimistic guy. If you talk to anybody that's in the game that knows him, they'll echo those sentiments. Uber positive and uber optimistic. I just wonder if he's been thrown into an unwinnable situation here because he's obviously been brought in to be uh, the anti-Daryl in a lot of ways and keep spirits high and keep things high. But some of that optimism has to be waning right now, doesn't it? Oh, my God. I mean, he's got to keep a stiff upper lip and and be brave and say all the right things and be optimistic and positive, for sure. But, you know, this organization, it's pretty well documented. They've gone from, you know, and Zadora pointed it out, you know, we we had a coach that's too hard, then a coach that's too soft, a coach that's too hard, then too soft. Like, it's, you know, they're always looking for what I call the Goldilocks hire, the one that's just right. And, you know, Huska said the one thing is, yeah, uh, the one thing is I, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm a player's coach, you could say, but there's also a standard. And if they don't live up to it, they're going to hear from me and it's not going to be fun. Uh, I, uh, I, he needs to prove that. You know, I'm not questioning him. I'm just saying I, I think he needs, you know, these guys are not playing up to the standard. And so, you know, what, what is he going to do to make sure that they do? That's going to be the interesting thing right now for, for Ryan Huska. It must be tempting a, a little bit for... Uh, the Flames to look at what they've got in terms of their contracts and say, we could probably get a first-round pick for Elias Lindholm. We could probably get a first-round yeah. pick for Noah Hannafin. Maybe a couple other picks for a guy like Chris Tanev or if they don't re-sign Nikita Zadorov, get something for him. Uh, I'm thinking about the Flames' new arena being ready in 2026-27. Couldn't they time a, a, a retool or even a, a pretty aggressive rebuild to match you know, the first season in the new arena? You're thinking about the same things that a lot of people in Calgary are thinking about. You know, there's there's a big hue and cry right now to just tear this thing down and rebuild it, which is obviously tough to do when you've got 
your two highest paid players are signed for the next eight years. Um, and they're not producing, and those contracts yeah. can't go anywhere. But you don't you don't want to throw good money after bad, right? And that's what we've seen a few teams do. Like the San Jose Sharks are in the position they are in because they did exactly that. Exactly, exactly. So no, I, I, people here want it torn down. I know the owners never keen on a, on a complete rebuild, and I'm not sure that you could even do it with those two contracts on the books. Uh, but I do think that at some point, Sandy's going to have to prevail here, and you you want to call it a reboot. Uh, a retool. Uh, the president of the club in the summer jokingly said, I'm not allowed to use the word rebuild around here. Like you said that on the record, because it's always been a sore, sore spot. So, you know, this franchise, which has been in the mushy middle for the 30 years I've been in Calgary, uh, will continue to be in the mushy middle, uh, never getting a high draft pick and yet never really threatening in the playoffs uh, with the odd exception, uh, unless they do finally decide that they've got to go in a radical new direction. Uh, otherwise, they'll just make sure history repeats itself and keep retooling on the fly. So it's Dallas, Seattle, Nashville, and Toronto. Those are Calgary's next four games. And then eventually they do land in Vancouver on the 16th. So we will uh, keep tabs on that. They got to go through Toronto first. Yeah. That's, yeah. So yeah, they've got that, That'll be interesting with Bradshaw living there. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> might be a storyline. Yeah. That might be a storyline. Do, th- do you think Brad's glad that he jumped ship? Oh, my just, God, uh, yes. Just wondering out loud, asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, thanks for doing this today, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, boys. Take care. Thanks, you, Eric. Eric Francis from Sportsnet in Calgary here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, they're in big trouble. They, 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 I, I don't see... I don't see this team turning it around. Like they've already buried themselves pretty good. When you start two six and one, and the way they've played—I mean, they've lost five in a row. They only have two wins. They beat Buffalo and they beat Winnipeg mm-hmm. in the first game of the season. They cannot score in their last five games. They have six goals. Yeah, minus fifteen goal differential already. Only worst one in the Western Conference. The San Jose Sharks. So it's it when we talk about as we kind of pivot back to the Canucks stuff here, and I've said this like three or four times now, mm-hmm. but I'll reiterate it. The start has we were discussing, I don't know, in July. We've yeah. been discussing it for a while. As soon as the schedule came out, we talked about how imperative it was that the Canucks win some games and not go winless in their first seven like last year. Yeah, that was I mean great analysis, right? You know, we're good at this. Uh the other part of it and I don't think we dove into it enough cuz it was going to be too unpredictable, but what were the rest of the teams in the division and in the Western Conference going to do mm-hmm. at the start of the season because it's been a long time since the Canucks have built up any sort of cushion. <laughs> like there's been, it's been cushionless. It's been a flat seat. There's been nothing there. Right now, it's crazy to think, but they have, this is the Vancouver Canucks, have a six-game or six-point lead on the Flames with a game in hand. Like, And, it, and you're going to say, well, don't even start talking about this because we're barely at the 10-game mark. Who cares? Well, think of how it felt last year when the reverse was true. When you, ha- when you can build up a cushion in this league, it doesn't matter if it's in the first 10 games of the year mm-hmm. or games 40 to 50 or the last 10 games. Getting points in the bank... And getting a cushion on teams that you expect to be uh, battling with for playoff contention, mm-hmm. that's important. The start has been made even better by the fact that Edmonton has stunk and Calgary has stunk. That is, I think a lot of people, 
expected Edmonton to be right near the top mm. of the division and the conference right from the start, and they're not. Some people thought that Calgary might have a bounce back. I don't think anyone expected Calgary to be this bad. I no. thought they'd be around what they were last year, a fringe playoff team. But they're not really close right now. Mm. And you look at this team, how much are they ruining, yes, ruining, what Tyler Toffoli is doing in New Jersey right now? Because this is a team. Did you just ha- get one of the stars of the week, I want to say? Yeah. Well, he's been great for them. Yeah. They're he's power, a good player. Their power play is yes. north of 40% yeah. in New Jersey. It's crazy. It's basically. Yeah, they're, um, they've got a really good record, and they haven't had very good goaltending. I'm still yeah. kind of bitter the Canucks let him go. Still haven't quite got over yet. You should, I mean, he how many stops? It's so many stops for him, right? Because it went Montreal, mm. Calgary, and New Jersey. For a guy that's pretty much like money in the bank for Phil Giuseppe is like, I'm glad he's gone. Well, that's true. <laughs> Look at my career now. Phil loves it, right? But. Um, anyway, back to my original point is that we should have seen this coming with Calgary. Is in in the span of two years, they basically lost what a hundred, a hundred and ten goals of offense mm-hmm. in Kachuk, Gaudreau, and Toffoli. And it's like, well, they can't score at five on five. Well, no kidding. They don't have the talent to do it. And Huberto and Kadri. I think people thought they would be so good defensively that they could just grind out wins, but that was when they had Daryl Sutter as the head coach. I think the problem is is that Daryl Sutter's brand of hockey was probably best for the Calgary Flames, yeah, right? And, and like, I, I go back like to... The, hold on a sec. Yeah. The way they're built, the way they're built, they probably need to grind out games. Yes, right? I would agree. Okay? So then they bring in the new head coach and there's the new GM and understandably, because they had to unlock something in Huberdeau, mm-hmm understandably they were like, well, what if we allowed, you know, what if we didn't have the kind of overbearing head coach and brought in a guy with a positive attitude that it's going to encourage creativity, maybe give some of our young players more of an opportunity. Well, the problem is, you know, you can't run and gun when you're built like a tank. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, like, I know. That's the way, that's the way the flames are built except for Huberto. And that's why I remember when the trade went down, I was kind of like of two minds. I'm like, yeah, Trey Living did a good job getting some quality players out of Florida. Mm-hmm. But when you re-sign guys at the age of 30, especially when they're changing situations and you just don't know for sure if they'll find chemistry with anyone – you know, Huberto had tremendous chemistry. I don't think he played all that much with Barkov. It was Sam Bennett yeah. was his center, which is funny enough because he's an ex-Calgary player. But when you bring a player into a situation as he's getting older, he's 30 years old right now, and you're kind of like, and you sign him right away, mm-hmm. that's a huge risk. Yeah. And it's a I, massive risk. Kadri's 33. So, right? And Kadri, Kadri isn't... Kadri isn't a guy like that. His game is like, wow, what a creative player. He's just a solid two-way center, or at least he was. And that's why I think a lot of people are like, mm, maybe the Flames have a better chance now. They have more playoff-type players. And they were talking about, you know, Kadri and, let's say, Backlund down the middle. Those are good two-way centers. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think, like, they got away for they, they stopped playing Daryl Sutter hockey because they started hating Daryl Sutter. And then they changed directions. They changed philosophy. And right now... It's just a mishmash of maybe the roster doesn't fit the coach and you've got inexperience as a general manager and all these decisions to make. They are a mess. 
So you're looking around the Western Conference and you're saying, okay, Edmonton's off to a slow start. That's beneficial for Vancouver. Calgary is well off to a slow start. The Seattle Kraken, they've tied for the NHL with 10 games played and they've only got eight points. They did get a big win yesterday, their first win ever over Tampa Bay, but they've been off to a slow start. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned very briefly, and I think we'll probably get into it more as the season goes along, that Minnesota looks very underwhelming through the first nine games of the season. That's a playoff team from a year ago. St. Louis looking to get back into the playoffs. They look like a very mediocre team. Right now... How many good teams are in the Central right now? Two? Colorado and Dallas? I'm still undecided on what Winnipeg is. I don't think Winnipeg's very I don't know if they're... I think they're mediocre. I don't know if they're good. I think they might be above they're average. Um, we're going to... They they're are sus. mid. You need to stop using that. Sus. Um, very sus. sus. They're mid. No cap. <sighs> We're going to get to see, speaking of good teams in the center, we're going to get to see Dallas later this week. That's mm-hmm. going to be one of the bigger tests from this early part of the season for the Vancouver Canucks because they're 5-1-1. One, one. But I'm telling you, without being too house of uh, positivity here, because God forbid we do that. No, it's just accurate. Well, right now, things are looking good for the Canucks. They can always turn. It's and, ac- then, and then we'll say, wow, they've turned. They look so good. It's accurate, but it's very surprising because all the teams that you thought needed to drop off a little bit for Vancouver to get back into the playoff mix have kind of dropped off a little bit. I still think Edmonton's going to be there. Yeah, but I don't even count Edmonton in this. Edmonton is just like Mm -hmm. an added bonus feature of loserdom. Like, hey, look at that. Also, the Oilers are struggling. I think they'll be in. Mm -hmm. But if you want to talk about the teams that I was thinking about in that mix, it's going to be Nashville, Calgary, maybe St. Louis, and Seattle. That's why I really want the Canucks to come out tonight and don't play like you're satisfied so, with yourself. So I don't know Beat what Nashville ex- again, because Nashville in theory could be one of these teams that you're competing with for a playoff spot. So take care of business. I don't, so I don't know what to expect from Nashville because I think that they might be actually pretty good. They've, they've they're won, not terrible. They're not terrible. They, okay, look, they've won, the only loss they've had in their last four was that one uh, – to Vancouver in Nashville. Yeah, they beat the they beat the Leafs their last game, right? And they beat the Rangers. Right. I mean, those are two pretty good victories in your last, you know, and then they also tacked one on against the lowly San Jose mm. Sharks. But they've won three of four. I just don't know what to expect. We'll talk to Batch about this in a couple minutes because I'm sure he's done a pretty thorough pre-scout on Nashville. Here's what I do know. Um, they play UC Soros every game. <laughs> uh, he started every... Can I have a break? You yeah, cannot? You cannot. I don't even know if they nope. have a backup goalie, let alone who it is. I know you know, Laddie, but it's fine. So yeah, it's Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm, I'm assuming that Soros will probably go again tonight because they haven't played since Saturday, but this is a good... This is a fun week. Like we we talked about, I don't know if we really went over it in great detail, but this week you've got the national game, the San Jose game, and then that big Sunday, Saturday night game against Dallas. And you've got a chance here, one, to keep the good vibes rolling tonight against Nashville. And then two, let's face it, I know it could be conceived as a trap game or whatever, but that game in San Jose on Thursday, you're like, that's you got to win that game. You got to win right? that game. Yeah. And then you're going into that Dallas game with a lot of momentum, big game, Saturday night. Hockey Night in Canada, all that stuff. And then the Oilers are in town. So it's a big three or four game stretch. We'll talk to Brendan Batchelor about that coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. He's coming up at 8 o'clock. After Batch, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see Kiss at Rogers Arena Wednesday, November 8th. All you got to do is send in a what we learned. Well, it's not true. You have to send in a what we learned. You have to hashtag it WWL. 
The what we learn has to be good, and you need to put a ticket emoji into the text to be entered. The what it, we learn can't just say kiss tickets, please, because we've had a few of those. Yeah, we had more than a few. An alarming number, really, even though because we've explained this countless times yeah. to the listeners. You have to do something. You have to try and make an effort. Uh, Wednesday, November 8th, Rogers Arena. Kiss, we're giving away a pair of tickets in the final hour. You're listening to the Halford and Breff Show on Sportsnet 650.